When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Attention Cannabis Radio listeners. Do you suffer from chronic pain, anxiety, depression, or PTSD? These are the most common qualifying conditions for medical cannabis. Did you know that in many states you can visit a doctor online with no waiting rooms, no drive, not even an appointment needed? See a doctor right from your smartphone. It's fast, convenient, and it'll save you money as most states don't collect taxes on medical cannabis purchases. So what are you waiting for? Go to MarijuanaDoctors.com slash Cannabis Radio and get $5 off your on-demand medical card evaluation. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Charlie Alovisetti. He's a partner at Vicente Cedarberg and chair of the firm's corporate department. He's recognized by Chambers and Partners as one of the top cannabis lawyers in the United States and is the co-author of The Business of Cannabis, Understanding Law, Finance, and Governance in America's Newest Industry. Prior to joining Vicente Cedarberg, Charlie worked as an associate in the New York offices of Latham and Watkins and Goodwin, where he represented public companies and private equity sponsors and their portfolio companies in a range of corporate transactions. Charlie holds a Bachelor of Arts with honors from McGill University and a law degree from Columbia Law School, where he was a Harlan Fisk Stone Scholar. He's admitted to practice in Colorado, Massachusetts, and New York. Welcome to the show, Charlie. I think you're in Massachusetts currently. Yeah, I'm in Massachusetts right now. 
Great, great. Well, welcome to the show. Um, let's learn more about you and your background and some experiences you had before getting involved in the cannabis industry and even more specifically cannabis law. What did you do before getting involved in cannabis? Yeah, so um, I, let's see, I graduated law school in 2009 and then I, I went to work for sort of a series of, of big firms in New York. Um, you know, I think like a lot of people that work at big firms, I wasn't particularly um, satisfied with, with what I did. Um, and so I was, I was looking for something where, you know, I could have a chance to do something sort of new and I guess ground, you know, get in the ground floor of something. So, you know, around 2013, 2014, you know, I started seeing what was happening with cannabis around the country. Uh, and I, you know, I wanted to get in. So I started to, um, started to, to, to like start reading about it and studying it. And I joined the um, drugs and the law committee at the New York City Bar Association. Um, and then sort of, you know, I guess maybe it was kismet. I uh, saw a LinkedIn post from uh, Shaleen Title. Uh, former. Mm -hmm former commissioner of uh, the Campus Control Commission. Um, and she, she, at the time, she had a, um, like a placement agency uh, and they were looking for a corporate attorney in Denver. So I reached out to her and just sort of randomly. Um, and then they put me in touch with Vicente Cedarberg and you know, I got a beer with Christian uh, <laughs> in, in New York. You know, he was, I want to say 45 minutes late to our first meeting because uh, he made the classic uh, New York mistake of not realizing that uh, the crosstown traffic will absolutely crush you. And it can yes. take, you know, an hour to get crosstown if you, if you try and go at the wrong time. Um, so, yeah, and then and that's sort of, and the rest was history. I guess I went to the, um, um, I think it, I actually forget who put on the conference. It was I went to the Chicago conference in 2015. That was the first one I went to. I forget if I think it was it was MJ Biz, but um, that was sort of like my fact finding trip. And and then you know I moved to Denver in August of 2015 and and haven't looked back really. Awesome, yeah. So Vicente Cedarberg, uh, most of our listeners probably recognize the name as. Um, a, a law firm that's central to, to the cannabis movement in a lot of ways. And uh, here in the state of Colorado, uh, they, they were one of the main backers, I believe, of Amendment 64, which helped legalize cannabis for adults here in Colorado as well. So it's a, it's a household name in the cannabis industry, uh, the law firm Vicente Cedarberg for sure. And fun story, NCIA, when we were a smaller organization, um, Vicente Cedarberg's main offices were in this, uh, it was called the Marijuana Mansion, right? Uh, right, there yeah. on, right there on Grant Street. Um, in in Denver in Cap Hill and NCIA's uh, little crew of five people or whatever were in the carriage house behind the offices and we we worked out of there until well both companies expanded for sure so anyway yeah, I, think, I think I missed the I missed the crossover experience by probably months is my guess because mm -hmm. I think you guys moved out early twenty you outgrew early twenty fifteen but. Yeah, my office was in that that mansion, um, yeah. 
So the, the back house, as I always called it, or the carriage house, is, is now a Green Dragon retail store. I know. So, it's, sorry, it's medical, yeah. medical only. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a medical dispensary in what used to be offices that that NCIA rented from Vicente Cedarburg. It's really interesting history on off of Grant Street, <laughs> as far as offices go. Um, so, so so now you're still with Vicente Cedarburg. You're you're working with them in uh, a, across the country. It seems. Uh, tell me more about what's going on. Day to day for you, and and what's going on with Senti Cedarberg before we before we jump into your newly published book? Yeah, so I guess you know my life is a little crazy in terms of work. You know, there's a lot going on. Um, I would say I work on stuff all across the country. Um, you know what what I'm spending my time on can vary week to week in terms of who's you know who's who's active. Um recently, you know, my big focus has been, I, I've started to, I got my hopes up about New York. You know, it's, it, they've been crushed the past two years, but now it really looks like it's going to happen. Uh, so I, I've been spending my sort of non-billable time looking at New York and, and, and thinking about the rule, though I haven't really dedicated the full time I need to, to, to read the, uh, the MRTA, which is, which is the bill that's likely to pass. Um, mm. but hopefully if that passes, that's, that's going to be kind of my weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, that's what's going on. I mean, you, you've got a bunch of different States that are all in different kind of levels of maturity and lots of businesses trying to get lots of things done. And, and we're trying to help, trying to help them and, and stay up to date on, you know, this crazy industry. So I'm just gonna imagine you at a desk with like folders flying around the office and phones ringing off the hook, like old-fashioned rotary phones too. Is is that is that? A- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except it's like these days, right? It's like the second. I'm in like a spare bedroom in my uh, apartment, um, so there's also a bed in here and <laughs> various stuff that didn't fit in the rest of the house. Well, I mean, working in the cannabis industry is 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 just a very intense experience because it's constantly changing every day. There's there's the joke we've repeated a thousand times on this podcast that one year in cannabis is like dog years. It's like seven years in any other industry just because of the intensity and the pace and everything in between. And you can, yeah, it's like you can't blink without something else happening. And gosh, New York is going to be such uh, an important state when it finally does happen. And, and gosh knows all these marijuana tax revenues that could be realized in each and every state are, are really going to be a game changer, I think, particularly as we are recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we're, we're certainly going to need that. I also want to congratulate you on your newly published book, The Cannabis Business, Understanding Law, Finance, and Government Governance in America's Newest Industry. Um, and I understand that all the author profits are going to go to an organization that you care about. Would you like to mention that briefly before our commercial break? Yeah, all the all the author profits. Yeah, I would think for clarifying that it's not obviously not the uh publisher because we don't control that are going to the last prisoner project which uh they're focused on sort of three key areas prisoner release record clearing through clemency and expungement and uh re-entry programs super important i I think that's that's a generous uh and important 
place to direct uh, your profits. Last Prisoner Project is definitely a very cool organization doing some great work. All right, let's take that first commercial break and then we'll be right back to dive more into your book. So stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore with NCIA, and we're talking with Charlie Olovacetti about his newly published book, The Cannabis Business, Understanding Law, Finance, and Governance in America's newest industry. So once again, congratulations. I've only self-published poetry. This is certainly a bigger effort, I'm sure, uh, than what I did. Let's learn, tell me more about what readers are going to find in this book and more about why we're sending the profits to Last Prisoner Project. Cool. Well, I, I mean, I guess I'll talk about what I, you know, I guess my goal for the book was, you know, no one has written, I, there are a few books out there, a few actually quite good books on sort of cannabis law out there, but there was nothing that was sort of up-to-date, nationally focused, and written with sort of practitioners in mind. Um, you know, th there's a number of good case books out there put out by professors, but that's sort of a different model of a book. This is meant to be, you know, if you work in the cannabis industry, if you're thinking about going to work in the cannabis industry, if you're going to invest, or if, you know, your parents ask you, you know, <laughs> what's the cannabis industry? How, how does this work? You know, I think you give them a copy of this book, um, though, I, I, you know, admittedly, I don't think either of my parents have read the book. Um, you know, the idea here is to give you kind of an overview of, well, what, do, what does the national legal landscape look like? You know, what does it mean, right? Everyone talks about it federally legal, state legal. You know, what does that mean, practically speaking? What's, what's the status of the law in, in various states? You know, how about hemp or CBD? What's the status there? And then, you know, we go into a number of kind of specific areas of law, like banking or insurance or securities law or real estate, and talk about, you know, what, how does cannabis sort of uh, interact with those unique areas of law? And it's, it's meant to be sort of practical and focused on kind of the day-to-day the -day issues that, you know, we see. You know, I, I had a co-author, uh, Cassia Furman, who's based in L.A., so it's really um, keyed off of our experiences in the cannabis industry and, and the type of questions clients ask us. Well, that sounds it, really useful. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I, I was hoping, you know, the, the goal for the book is, is to kind of strike a balance between being appropriately lawyerly so I don't, you know, get, get uh, you know, in trouble for saying stuff that's, you know, too loosey-goosey. <laughs> um, and but at the same time, 
you know, not being something, you know, and that's not theoretical. It's, it's, um, you know, realistically, what, what are the actual things you need to know if you're, if you're running one of these businesses? And then right. in terms of the, the, you know, decision to donate the profits, uh, you know, a number of people helped me on the book. So, you know, I, while I wrote, you know, the vast majority myself, you know, we had, I had some of my colleagues sort of with different specialties, right. You know, jump in and help me on certain chapters and you'll see they're um, credited in the book as well as contributors. Um, and I didn't think it would, you know, obviously I signed the contract with Rutledge and I didn't think it would be fair for me to, to you know, sort of to benefit from, from other people's work. And then the idea of, sp you know, splitting up the profits, which, you know, I think about the publishing industry these days are, are not, you know, we're not, we're not talking millions of dollars here. Um, splitting up the profits would just be more effort than it's worth. So I thought, you know, hey, the, the simple solution here is let's just donate it to charity. That's beautiful. Thanks for that. Um, so to dive in even more, I think I think we all know cannabis is still federally illegal, even though we have this weird system in the United States where states can determine their own laws for medical or adult use, yet still illegal at the federal level. This this is hard for a lot of people to wrap their heads around. Um, is this beginning to change at all? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, there's obviously you know the the recent news right of the Safe Banking Act getting reintroduced to the House and Senate. Yep. Um, if that passes, yes, things will change. But as it stands right now, in terms of the black letter law, uh, nothing's really changed, and really nothing's changed since since the days of Nixon. Uh, all the changes have really been at the policy level, uh, and it's been a you know policy decision that. Uh, charges have not been brought against these companies that are acting in compliance with state law. Um, and you'll right. see, you know, if, if, uh, if, if, you know, if you pick up chapter one here, we go through uh, the litany of federal statutes that you're violating by being involved in the cannabis industry, Yikes. which, you know, this, this, this is comes up in my life. You know, when people ask, you know, we get on a bunch of calls where someone says, you know, hey, you know, am I going to go to jail for this? Is this illegal? You know, and the answer is yes, it's very much illegal. And no, you're not going to go to jail unless you're violating the state law. Yes, it's complicated. But yeah, it's one of these things where it's both complicated and very simple. In the sense that, you know, as a policy, you know, if you look at if you look at the law and policy, um, you know, the policy is pretty clear at this point that, the, you know, there's no, there's no directive at the federal level to actually use, um, use their limited resources to, to track down on the cannabis industry. But, you know, that being said, I mean, and you can see this with this, this case that came today, which I haven't read yet, but um, the former executive of Ease um, being convicted in uh, the Southern District of New York, that mm. there there have been criminal charges brought against people in the cannabis industry, but you know, those are for activities that are not necessarily in compliance with the state regulations, or you know, they're they're pushing the boundaries on things like credit card payments. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, particularly why the Safe Banking Act is such an important piece of legislation. Uh, for us at NCIA and, and of course our members as well. Speaking of money and banking, um, for companies that are trying to raise money for their businesses, 
whether they're a startup or maybe they're a well already established company making expansions with this continued federal confusion with with president biden firing all, all his marijuana smoking staff i mean how does this impact the process of raising money in a technically illegal industry i mean there's there's some risk in putting yourself out there that you're in this industry and you're trying to raise monies what you're saying is that right yeah yeah and i mean this is this is uh, a, a huge challenge for a lot of our clients. You know, with, with cannabis, you know, you know, both you and I have lived through boom times and the bust times, and now, you know, we're back in the boom times. But uh, like I think the broader US economy, the boom is not necessarily evenly distributed. And while the major MSOs have been able to raise significant amounts of capital on the public markets, that's not necessarily going to make it easy for, you know, a smaller company to raise money privately. So, you know, I, obviously there's only so much you can do, but I think there's a fair amount you can do to maximize your chances of success of raising money um, from a, you know, for purely cannabis legal regulatory standpoint. I think part of that is convincing your investors that you are a safe investment um, and that based on the current federal policy that they're not going to go to jail for investing on inv investing in you, right? That you take compliance seriously, that you are um, following all applicable state and local cannabis regulations, and that you're not pushing the boundaries on anything like credit card processing. Um, so that I think the ability to have that discussion and to explain that to investors, I think will go a long way because, you know, with cannabis investment, if you, if you have a cannabis license, the potential universe of investors that you have exposure to is smaller than mm -hmm. if you're if you're ancillary because there's there's a lot of people out there that just don't feel comfortable to license cannabis investment but sure. to maximize your chances you know i say it's like keep keep everything buttoned up and have a good story to tell about how why you're compliant why you're safe gosh compliance is so incredibly key in our industry we we chant compliance 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 every day um, you know, it makes me think about when the coal memo was in act uh, before it was rescinded by um, <laughs> by Jeff Sessions in, in the previous administration, that, that at least provided some clear guidance on paper uh, to follow, like don't cross state lines, don't sell to minors, like pretty common sense compliance stuff. Um, even though it was rescinded, I think the spirit of the coal memo is still ingrained in, in, in some of these values of our industry as well. And they make perfect sense. Uh, so staying within the line, staying in your, in your lane in this kind of complicated uh, industry right now seems to be the way to go. Um, I wonder if another coal memo is going to, to happen. Um, let's take uh, one more commercial break and then let's come back and wrap up our chat with Charlie, the author of Cannabis Business. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. 
Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm chatting with Charlie Alovacetti from the Vicente Cedarberg Law Offices, and he recently published his book called The Cannabis Business, Understanding Law, Finance, and Governance in America's Newest Industry. And as a reminder, all the author profits will be going to The Last Prisoner Project. So, Charlie, while we say states are legalizing, um, it kind of depends on how that law is written. It might be full on adult use like we enjoy here in Colorado or California or maybe medical only like maybe Florida. And then there's that unique case of Oklahoma, but um, maybe just decriminalizing for consumption but not allowing an actual industry, which is hecka confusing, like in uh, the District of Columbia. How can we start to make sense when legalizing state by state is just not a cookie cutter process? Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I would say um, one way to think about it is, you know, you see a lot of different approaches out there in terms of counting these states. Um, you know, we, I came up with my kind of own kind of breakdown of the different states. Um, so on page 41 of the book, talking about, you know, breaking it into commercial adult use and medical use, you know, the one you pointed out, um, where it's adult use and medical use, but they're commercial prohibitions, then you've got commercial medical use only, then sort of even, you've even got a unique category here, which is non-commercial, non-commercial medical use only. And that's sort of your uh, low THC CBD oil only mm-hmm. type law. And, and in states like that, often they don't even have provisions to supply it. It's, it's just a defense for possession. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you have kind of the, what I would call the right now, like the extreme exception, which is no permitted cannabis activities at all, which, you know, I count as only two States, Idaho and Nebraska at this point mm-hmm. that have no, no form of, of um, state legal cannabis. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the way I like to think about it and in terms of understanding these states is just thinking about the license. I think the best way to think about these things is just thinking about for each state, what license types do they permit and what do those licenses allow? Mm -hmm. And if you understand that, I think you'll understand how the state works. So yeah, um, yeah, just, just think about like what licenses they have and the restrictions on ownership. And that'll get you into that'll cover a lot right there because if you can understand sure. that. Yeah. So you'll, you'll understand, you know, is it, is vertical integration required? Uh, are there local licenses required? Um, you know, are there social equity requirements for the licenses? Um, so that, that's where I usually recommend people start. Sure. Sure. So it sounds like there's some information in your book, uh, that kind of breaks that down as well. And then on NCIA's website, we have a state policy map that's interactive, uh, you can click on each state and, you know, things change all the time, but we we're, we try to stay on top of that to 
to kind of give an overview of some of that information in this clickable state policy map as well. So just wanted to add that resource for our listeners. That's a, that's a great resource because the book, for instance, is, is only updated as of June 1st of last year because, you know, you had to, I to finish it in time for publication. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it becomes out of date the second it's published. Uh, so, yeah, I would definitely encourage people to look at the NCIA website because these are, um, you know, it's, it's not the thing for people to understand is it's not just that, you know, you pass a law and that's the regulated system for, for the rest of time. Right. Uh, you know, look at a state like Colorado. It's one of the most mature cannabis markets in the U.S., but we still got new license tapes debuting and of like delivery and social consumption. And, um, you know, so you every year you get new laws that'll change the system. Absolutely. Yeah, we've been watching that social consumption law, which technically passed like five years ago. Uh, the Yes on 300 campaign, I believe it was called. And it's just been such a struggle to, to see it implemented in Denver here. Uh, it's, it's interesting. And um, the delivery is, is something we have not enjoyed here in Denver yet either, but um, we're waiting for it and I hear it's coming. So even just little things like that, you're right, constantly change the landscape of what the laws look like in each state and, and opening up or closing down different licensing opportunities as well. Like when delivery will get implemented, I'm sure there'll be a license for delivery. So mm-hmm. um much like uh, flight schedules, they change every day. <laughs> uh, trying to keep up on it is, is a hell of a goal. Um, we've run out of time, but before we break, um, I just want to remind our listeners that our in-person trade shows are scheduled, believe it or not. Uh, our Midwest Cannabis Business Conference will be in Detroit in September. And our seventh annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo will be in San Francisco in December. So we will definitely be seeing you all in the second half of the year when it's more safe and, and, and as the world starts to get more vaccinated and we become more safe from this hell of a last year or so uh, dealing with the pandemic. Um, thankfully, cannabis was an essential business during even the strictest of lockdowns in many places. So that's encouraging for our industry as well uh, as we look back and process everything that we've been through. So thanks again, Charlie, for spending some time talking through your book and and what's going on in the landscape of, of our industry, which as we've underscored is just constantly changing. But uh, Tell us again the title of your book and, and where can we find it? Just any anywhere, Amazon? Yeah, you can you definitely find it on Amazon or you can buy, buy it directly from Rutledge. Um, I think you can also buy it from at least, well, I got convinced at least one store in Massachusetts to, uh, to list it. So you can also get it from, from Bookshop, which supports local uh, book retailers. So it's called the, the Cannabis Business, Understanding Law, Finance and Governance in America's Newest Industry. Uh, it's the first edition. Hopefully there'll be more editions to come, but yeah, available wherever final, finer cannabis legal textbooks are sold. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Thank you again, Charlie. And thanks everybody thanks for having for, me. Yeah, absolutely. Nice to, we'll talk to you when the second edition comes out, eh? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. 
the opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.